Welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers, giving you the motivation and inspiration you need to make the most of your later years. Whether you're still in the planning stages or you're several years in, we'll share stories from boomers who refuse to act their age and continue to live a life inspired. Let them show you how being old can be new if you know what to do with your host, Terry Lorbeer. Hello and welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers. My guest today is Ann Cavera. Ann is 80 years old and started her podcast called Speeding Past 80 a year ago this month. Ann and her husband, Jim, both turned 80 last October 2022. They met as volunteers in the Peace Corps in 1966 in Liberia, and they have been married for 56 years. Welcome, Ann. How are you today? Thanks, Terry, and thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be here. You're welcome, I'm, and I'm glad to have you. So you're from the quiet generation, but it sounds like you're not being quiet, and I love it. Why should you, right? Well, you're right. You know, we came of age in the 60s and nobody was quiet then. No. And I think we kind of disappeared into parenthood, grandparenthood. And some of us have decided it's time to speak up again. I agree. I totally agree. So I'm going to let you explain to my audience what your motivation for starting a podcast as you were nearing 80 years young. What was your motivation for that? Well, my husband and I uh, are both here at home a good bit. He has some health issues. And uh, I decided that I wanted to have a firm link with the outside world. And so I wondered what I could do. And then I realized my son teaches podcasting. (laughs) And I thought, well, there's my link. And so I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, hey, why don't we start a podcast? And he very graciously agreed. And he's taped and edited every episode now. I think we're on 54, 55, something like that. One episode a week, every week for a year. And we're starting our second year. But um, it has been just a wonderful connection for me with the outside world. And that was my whole purpose in starting it. And I wanted to still have a voice in this world, too. And I agree. I think it's so important to stay connected with the world, to understand what's going on. And you're being social at the same time, because if you're kind of stuck at home a lot, you're not getting that chance to be social with your friends as much as you would like. So now you've got a podcast. It opens up a whole new world, right? Absolutely. And I've met so many wonderful people, some in other countries, and I've reconnected with friends and family Um, I reconnected with a friend that I hadn't visited with in 10 years. And after she heard the first or second podcast, she came over and spent a day with me. I've reconnected with cousins I haven't seen in decades. It's just been uh, everything I could have hoped for and more. It sounds like such a blessing. And you're so lucky to have your son to help you. I have a son who takes care of my website because he's a computer geek. 
So he does anything with the website. He set it up. He puts it up there when I need updates. He does the updates. So he helps with that. And one of my daughters helped edit in the early days, but she's so busy. I couldn't ask her to do it all the time. So I hired an editing company because, again, that's not anything I want to do. So I don't mind all the other thing, like because I'm doing interviews, I have to do research for the interview and I have to look for people to interview. So I spend a lot of time doing that. But I love that. That part's fun. But editing, forget it. Not fun at all. Well, you know, I think part of the wisdom of being the age we are is that we know what we can do and what we can't. Yes. We we also have children and grandchildren and friends, and we're willing to hire people to do the things we can't do. So I can focus on the material for my brief podcast. It's not very long, but I try to make certain it's good. And I can leave the rest to everybody else who knows how to do that stuff. (laughs) And that's what all podcasters should do. And I think most of them do. Editing seems to be the first thing people get rid of. But, you know, uh, there's a lot of podcasters that have people find guests for them and, and do come up with questions and all, but I love that part of it. So, and I want to pick guests that resonate with me. And I, so I think they'll resonate with other baby boomers too. So I, I love looking for the guests. So that's important. So your podcasts are short. They're mostly about 10 minutes long, some a little shorter, some a little bit longer. And I think that's great because A lot of people don't have time. So the short ones, they go, oh, that's real short. I can listen to that now. And then they're going to listen to another one and another one. So it really is a good idea to keep them short. You've discovered my plot. That's exactly what I thought too. Right. And now where do you come up with your stories, the inspiration for your little podcast? Where do you get them? Well, partly from everyday life, but here's my secret. Jim and I wrote weekly columns, family life columns, for a paper in Evansville, Indiana. And we did the short stories as part of our columns for 14 years. Mm. I have 700 stories. So you had a whole stash ready to go. Yes. Wow. <laughs> so I call on those. In fact, I did that for Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day was based on something that we wrote, oh, many years ago. But I also am enjoying writing new things, Mm -hmm. Um, something that strikes me about this age or this day or in the news. So probably uh, it's maybe about half and half, and I'm leaning more and more on the new stuff. Good, good. Because I want it to resonate with today. But then I can go back and pull on the best of the old stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. That is really nice to have that. I'm up to about you're going to be number one, episode 125. So I have a lot of episodes. I've been doing it for two years now. I started on my mother's birthday. So that was October of 2021, I think. Yeah, 2021. So I I did all of 2022 and now I'm into 2023. So um, sometimes I can go back to old episodes and get more inspiration too. So it's nice to have that. When I first started, I didn't know anyone. It was a new podcast. And I'm thinking, okay, who's going to agree to be a guest on my podcast when they've never heard of me before? So I started with friends and uh, my kids knew people that were boomers that they pointed me towards. So some family members. So it was great in the beginning. I just got people like that. And then people started coming to me. Terry, I'd like to be on your podcast. So when I got to that point, it was really nice because 
you know, then when they're coming to me, I don't have to be looking every day for new new guests because I've got some guests coming to me. So it's been really exciting. Well, you know, I've kind of started doing a little of that, too. At the end of last year, I interviewed two or three other authors, and I really enjoyed doing the interviews. So I'm going to try to do an author interview that will air on Thursdays. Meanwhile, the stories keep going on Tuesdays. But I have an interview this week that's going to air tomorrow. It's the first separate interview I've done with Mm -hmm. Mark Redmond, and he's an author about our age. And he writes about your age, not mine, but he's <laughs> <laughs> he uh, writes Old West, Old West fiction for adults and for children. And I just had the best time interviewing him a couple of weeks ago. And it so, is fun interviewing authors, isn't it? I've, yes, it I've is. interviewed quite a few authors and it's a lot of fun. Yes, it is. And they seem happy to be interviewed and they make great guests. I don't know how often I will do that because that just adds to my son's editing time. (laughs) That's right. Hey, you know, it is what it is. Maybe he won't mind. (laughs) Well, he seems to be very um, peaceful and happy to do it. And I'm grateful for that. And some people, like he's probably the type that likes editing. I don't. But there are people who really love it. I hear them all, and especially the ones that then later they'll start an editing company because they love it so much. So they want to edit other people's podcasts as well. So there are people who love it. So if he if he likes it, he won't mind doing it for you. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's the case or not. But as long as he is gracious and willing to help me, I am so happy to have him. Yes, yes. So you seem pretty healthy for your age. Um, so... And you seem vibrant, you know, like there are some 80 year olds that they seem almost like 90. They seem really old. But if people didn't know you were 80, they might think you're in your 60s or 70s. Even looking at you, you look younger than 80. You have just made my whole year. (laughs) (laughs) I've had health challenges. Um, I've had three different kinds of cancer. One of them was serious. Wow. Caught in stage one. And so I've never had chemotherapy. Um, I have been blessed. Uh, I've got aches and pains, but I figure for 80, I'm doing okay. You are, because I'm 72 now, and I had cancer at 66. I had to get chemo. So at 66, I was dyeing my hair blonde and I loved it. And I've always looked younger than I am. So with the blonde hair, it just added to it. I mean, I started real estate at age 55. And when I joined my first firm, they all thought I was in my forties. They had no idea that I was 55. But then when I had chemo, my hair fell out, it came in gray. And I'm like, you know what? I'm in my 60s now. I'm just going to go with it. I'm not going to start keep dyeing my hair because for me, it was toxic. It isn't for everyone, but for me, it was because as I and I this didn't click when it happened the last four or five months before I was um, diagnosed, when I dyed my hair, I got this metallic taste in my mouth. And that should have told me right then and there, you got to stop this. There's something going on, but it didn't. I kept doing it. But then later on, I found a lump. And so I found my own cancer, went to the doctor. It was stage 
one or two, just barely two. So um, the chemo lymphoma is very curable. So they took care of it with the chemo, but I still had to have the chemo. So the hair fell out. That was very traumatic because of course it started falling out on my birthday. Oh no. So it was my 67th birthday and my hair's falling out. So that was traumatic. But once I got over that, everything else was fine. And you know, you get over it and you move on, you know, you just don't let it bring you down. No, I had major surgery, though I didn't have to have chemo. But I just love telling people there is life after cancer. Absolutely. I've talked to a lot of cancer patients. There's absolutely life after cancer. You have to do what you have to do. But one thing I found that when I had cancer, I felt like, okay, so you got cancer. You can't go back to your old way of life. So I stopped dyeing my hair because I found the connection there for me. And again, That's not toxic for everyone, but I think the toxins had built up in my system. So that was overload. So I decided I'm not going to do that anymore. I started eating better, ate a lot more vegetables and salads. Um, Mm -hmm. I started using essential oils. I started walking more because exercise is key to beating cancer. You really need to exercise. So I changed things. I don't think you can go in and have chemo and go back to all your old habits. You have to do something. Some change some habits and not, you know, a lot, but exercise is one key thing you can do and you start small and you build, but it's key to keeping yourself healthy anyway, because if you're not moving, you're going to die. You know, you got to get up off the couch and keep moving, keep social, laugh a lot. And I love that when you talk about your podcast, you say it's about, let me see where I have it. It's about faith, hope, love, and laughter. So you included laughter in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we started walking in uh, 2014, a year before I had my cancer. Mm-hmm. And so we were walkers by the time the cancer was discovered. Good. But then we kept walking until COVID. And then we walked in the neighborhood. But winter has put a damper on that. Yes. And now we went out and walked the other day. And we have a wonderful community center where we have a track that we can walk on. Oh, that's great. So, you know, I think uh, spring is coming and we'll probably go outside again. We've not been as faithful faithful about walking this year right. at the community center as I wish we had been, right. but we are walkers. We do, And that's okay because I'm in the Northeast too. So in the winter, now it's been a very mild winter. I've been walking every day, but in past winters, if it's icy, I'm not going out. I'm not taking a chance of falling and then dealing with, you know, a broken hip or this or that. It's not worth it. It's better not to walk that day. So if it's icy or snowy, I don't go out. Cold doesn't bother me. I bundle up and I go. But that's one of the reasons I'm on my way to Florida, because I want to be able to walk out my door and walk in the sun every day. So I can't wait because they have more sunny days than not. And I'll be able to walk outside. And the the thing I want to do is walk twice a day. I want to be able to get out and walk in the morning and at night. Where I am now, I live on a busy road, so I don't have a neighborhood to walk in. So I drive to the park near us, which is a beautiful park. And there's lots of different walking trails so I can change it up. But it takes me seven minutes to drive there, seven minutes to drive back. So I'm only going to do it once a day. I'm not going to do it twice. But when I'm in Florida, if I can walk out my front door and walk, I'm going to walk two or three times a day. So I think that revs up your metabolism even better. 
I do too. And I bet where you're going to move to, I bet they have wonderful trails and wonderful ways that you they can do. Walk. They do. So I can't wait. So I'm planning on being a lot more active because in the winter months up in the Northeast, I'm not as active. You know, I don't go out as much. Um, mm-hmm. But when I move to Florida, it's going to be, and you know, we've got a big house to take care of here. I'm on two and a quarter acres. So I'm doing a lot of outside work. I want to move to Florida and put that time and energy into fun things like walking with other people and swimming at the rec centers they have and doing that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm, absolutely interested in staying healthy and active. And that exercise is an important key to that. You know, it is. And even though we're confined to the house a good bit here in Northern Ohio, I make it a point when I'm walking around the house to walk with energy. I don't trudge down the hallway. I don't walk slowly. I make sure if I'm going down the hallway, I'm moving. Good for you. At least that's something, you know, yeah. It makes me feel better to move with energy. It does. And I'll tell you, I, when I'm working, packing my house and uh, I've got a second floor, so I'm running up to the second floor, down to the basement, out to the barn, doing stuff out there. I can get 10,000 steps easily just on a day when I don't even take a walk, but I'm moving around the house because there's so much to do to get the house ready to put it on the market. So I can easily get 10,000 steps. And that's what I try and get every day, at least 10,000 steps. I've never counted my steps, but I think I need to do that. It just would make me aware. It does, right. Or I'm not doing. Well, that's why I have my little Fitbit watch. Mm -hmm. And this counts your steps. So you just buy one of these watches that counts your steps. And it's just so helpful because what, when I started doing that back when I had cancer, then you're aware and you try and get a little better, walk a little longer, you know, you do all kinds of things. So when you know how many steps, it does make you more aware and you do try and do better. You know, I'm not going to name companies, but I noticed that my health insurance has an option each year where you can get one little goodie or thing, you know? Yeah. One of those is a Fitbit. I think it's time I ordered one of those. I think it is. You'll love it. I really do love it. So I I wear it every day. And when I forget it, I'm like, oh no, now I can't count my (laughs) steps. I I went to Rome with my daughter a couple of years ago and uh, we were getting like 20, 25, two, 23,000 steps a day. Cause oh you know, God. you're on and off tour buses and you're walking around the ruins of Rome and all that stuff. So I was really getting in the twenties. The day I had my um, yard sale, I got 20,000 steps. Cause I just kept running all over. The kids were doing stuff, but I would have to run and get something for them or get more change or go talk to this person. So I got 20,000 steps just doing a yard sale. So <laughs> it's well, nice to be aware. This. If you get 20,000 steps one day, can you sit around and do nothing the next? <laughs> no, see, and, and there are some days when I'm only a couple of thousand and I say, okay, it's a rest day. That's okay too. But mm-hmm. You do tend to want to move more when you look at what you've done. So it really is important. And the other thing that keeps me up and moving is podcasts. Like I started listening to podcasts when I started walking. I started walking again before I was diagnosed. And then after I was diagnosed with cancer, I kept walking. But the podcasts were great because it would make me want to walk longer. Because if you have nothing to listen to, you tend to, oh, I'll just go around once and I'll go home. 
But if you're listening to a podcast, you just keep walking until it's over and then you go home. <laughs> That's a great tip. It really is. Yeah. I love listening to podcasts when I'm out walking because I'm usually walking alone and and I like walking alone because I'm so busy right now. I can't really tell people what time I'm going to be ready to walk. Like I fit it into my day. It's usually later in the day. Um, When it gets dark early, I have to go at least by like four, four 30. But when it's light out, I might not go till seven o'clock right, right after dinner. So it's hard for me to set up walking dates. And I love listening to podcasts anyway. So I just walk and listen. Great tip. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll like that. So um, I interviewed a woman called Betsy Wurzel and she was home with her husband. He had Alzheimer's for Mm -hmm. 10 years. He was diagnosed with early Alzheimer's. So he was only in his fifties and she was home for 10 years taking care of him. It was really a long time. And her son helped out a lot too, but she also started a podcast. So (laughs) now her podcast doesn't totally just talk about Alzheimer's. She interviews people's too, but she started a Facebook group and her Facebook group is called, where did I write it? Oh, wait, it's over here. Her Facebook group is called kick Alzheimer's ass movement. It is so funny, but she, this has given her something to do after she lost her husband. Cause it was, she was, not even 65 yet when he died of Alzheimer's. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's just crazy. And he had it for 10 years. She took care of him. So, and caregiving is very, very difficult. So, you know, I, I don't, I give her a lot of credit that 10 years is a long time. My father was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, but he was in a home for 10 years because Mm -hmm. we couldn't take care of him anymore. He was with us for a little while, you know, cause I've, I'm one of 11. We have a lot of brothers and sisters, but after a while he was just, he would try and get out of the house and go walk on busy roads. And he was doing dangerous things and we couldn't keep an eye on him. He would wait for us to like go to the bathroom or go to the basement to do laundry. And then he'd run out the front door. So after a while we said, we, we just have to put him in a home and he was happy there. He really did enjoy it. When he first got there, he said, I don't know, this hotel is really nice. And we go, (laughs) yeah. And he goes, I don't know who's paying for it. I said, don't worry about it. It's all taken care of Dad." So he really enjoyed it. He, and there was an Irish chef and he was Irish. So he kept talking about this wonderful Irish chef. So he really enjoyed it until like near the end, it got much harder, but for a long time, he was down downstairs with all the normal people until his Alzheimer's got so bad that, you know, he couldn't really hold conversations at the dinner table anymore. Then they had to put him up on the third floor, but he really enjoyed the home for a long time. And then we could all go and visit him whenever we could. That was a great solution. Yeah. I think I'm blessed because my husband and he's over here listening. Oh, is he? <laughs> but he is a very calm person. And very reasonable. Right. You know, if I say, uh, you know, let's go over here and do something or you want to do something. Well, he's very agreeable. And we just do. We have a routine every day. Uh We do certain things at certain times. And it helps our day just pass reasonably. Right. And uh, so I feel very blessed. Um, He's always been a very peaceable person. And he still is. Yay. 
Yeah. Yeah. Betsy's husband was too, but um, you know, so she took care of him for a long time and her son was a huge help. And now they help each other. Like he is such a blessing to her. He bought her flowers for Valentine's day and she made a chocolate cake and they, they go out to dinner a lot. They go to the movies a lot, but Valentine's day, you know, the restaurants are too crowded. So she just stayed home and made a nice dinner, but they take care of themselves. Now each other, they take care of each other. So it's really wonderful. You know, we each have to find our own solutions. I think there's no one solution. No. But no. you just kind of look at your situation and you uh, take stock of your assets. Yep. Now, we have, our son has four children. He has two sets of twins. <gasps> two sets of <laughs> twins. Wow. I always wanted to have twins and I never did. I was dying to have twins. Well, his twin girls are 19 now, and one's at college away, and one's at college here in town, and the boys are 15, and they come every weekend and help us. Oh, that's great. College here is helping me clean out some stuff in the house. Uh, One of the boys comes on Saturdays, and we're working through the garage. The other boy comes Sunday afternoon, and he scrubs the kitchen floors and helps me with all the computer stuff I can't figure out. Oh, that's great. That it is, is wonderful. wonderful. It's just, and Chris is always here. In fact, he brought a uh, uh, extra soup for us to have for supper tonight. So you know, I feel so blessed that we're here and we have each other and we have the kids. And then I have two kid, two daughters on the West Coast in Los Angeles. Oh wow! A son on the West Coast in Seattle. Mm-hmm. So we have four children, and it sounds like you have kids too. I have four children as well. Oh, okay. Are they close by? But I have no grandchildren and they're all pretty much done childbearing years. So what my youngest tried so hard, she just could not get pregnant. So she may wind up adopting. So I might have some grandchildren through adoption. I'm hoping fingers crossed, but the others, it just never worked out for. Well, that was the case with our older daughter and her husband in Los Angeles, and he passed away from cancer in 2013, no, 2014, and she is a widow. She has never remarried, and our other daughter that lives close to her is adopted. We adopted her from Korea. Oh, how nice. And she was this little exuberant extrovert in this family of introverts. And she just organizes us and keeps us moving along. I don't know what we'd do without her. And then oh, our, oldest, our oldest son lives in Seattle, Seattle, and he works for um, Blue Origins. It's a space-based company. Oh, nice. That's what he does. So the three got over there, but we have the one that we have here. Oh, and- that's great. That's great. And yeah. Each child has a different part to play. Like they all help you in a different way. And that's great. Mine do the same thing. They've all been involved in the podcast, doing different things. They've either helped me get guests early on, or they helped edit. My son helps with the website. Um, So they've all helped me. And they're so proud. Like when I had my one year anniversary, they bought me a cake and flowers and they go, oh my God, we can't believe you've done it a year already. They're (laughs) so excited. They never thought it was going to last. They never 
never thought I would last as a podcaster. You think they would know me better by now, but no, they didn't think it would last. So they're so proud that I'm out there and I'm still podcasting and I'm interviewing wonderful people like you and bringing that out to the whole world. And I do interview people all over the world. I've interviewed people from Australia, Thailand, Germany, Canada, Japan. So I've interviewed people all over and I've listened listeners from all over. And it just shows you how we we are all so much alike. We all have the same hopes and fears and we want the same thing. So when you listen to a podcast like this, you understand that we're all the same. We should not be fighting. We should be loving one another. We are all more alike than different. You know, I really believe that too. And you can edit this out if you want to, but I wrote a line in my uh, journal this morning and just one sentence, it said, we really must do something about the few old men left who think war is a path to glory. Oh, we absolutely have to do something about that. We absolutely do. War is horrible. It's done horrible things and yeah, despicable things. So yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there are far more of us who I think have evolved beyond that. Yes. And there are of these few people. Yes. Who think that war is going to get anything. Anything. Well, they know war won't get anything. We know why they do it for money. It's all about the money. But I think we're evolving past that, too. And I think I think we're going to see that changing the next couple of years. I really do. I think we're going to start moving away from that and becoming um, all one. We're, we, I like us having individual nations because we all have different cultures. Um, my mother was from Germany, so and I feel very close to the German people and their culture and everything. So, um, but we're still all one, and we need to unite. We need to unite, but like our differences, the differences make us who we are today. So, I think our generation sees that far more than some of the younger generations, and it really is up to us to speak up. It is. So these podcasts help. I think they really do help. And we'll have to maybe even speak out even more because it's important. And the younger ones just haven't lived long enough. Like, you know, when you're young, you're all about yourself and what you want and what you want to do. And I was that way too. So I'm like, yeah, I wanted a family. I wanted a house. I wanted all these things. So, and you're working so hard. You don't have the time to think about that. That's what I love about being a boomer. Now that, you know, I'm still working part-time as a realtor, but it's part-time. I'm not working these crazy 60, 80 hours a week that many, many young people are. So I I have time to think and you look back and you realize things that the young people don't have time to think about, but we do. So it is our job to get that information out there and change, change the world. We need to. Absolutely. You know, I mentioned Magnolia Stone and her pictures are about people. They're not landscapes or they're not buildings. And when you look at her photographs, you realize how precious each person is and how they are all one. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm always trying to honor my mother and my grandmother. Both of them passed, but my grandmother was in Germany during the war. It was very, very difficult. She lost her young son, not 
he wasn't in the war. He found a hand grenade and was blown up. So 12 years old, she lost him. So it was a very difficult time. Then she immigrated to the United States to be with her two daughters that were here. But it was very difficult being apart during all of that time. And so I like to talk about her and honor her because she was a very strong woman. And it was difficult. She was, she had to go to work in an ammunition factory. She oh, cried really? every day. She hated it. She was with just a lot of men that didn't care. And it was very hard, but she made a very good friend at the ammunition factory that made her understand that you just have to laugh and come above it. You can't let this pull you down. So her friend Mary taught her how to laugh again. And they had a deep, deep friendship. And my grandmother actually wound up saving her from the concentration camps because she was married to a Jewish man. So even though she was Christian, her name was Rosenberg because she was married to a Jewish man. Mm -hmm. So my grandmother hid her and her daughter for many, many months. And my family, my grandmother and her husband and kids were almost taken away to a concentration camp too, but luckily the war ended, but she hid this woman and her daughter and saved her from the concentration camp. So, you know, you have to give, my grandmother was a special person and she understood what life was all about. And, you know, young people don't always, but she did. And I love her very much. And I just never tire of talking about her and what she did. Well, what a wonderful story she had. You know, wonderful it, story. You can make certain that story lives. Absolutely. I talk about it as much as I can because it's important for us to remember and to reflect back. So, and my message is we're all one. We're all one. We came from the same creator. We're all the same. And if you go visit other countries, which I've visited many, we all want the same things. We all want a family. We all want to just have a nice home and, and, and have food to eat. We all want the same thing. So we need to get rid of the people who don't want that for us. So we do need to get rid of those people. Yes. So, you know, we'll hopefully be able to do that in the next couple of years. I have a wonderful friend that I met through Facebook in Kenya and we have uh, messaged back and forth some but we've said the same thing. We all want a family. We need clean water. We need good food. Yes. And we need a place to live. Yes. And if we would just let go of trying to grab as much as we can for ourselves. Yes. Take just what we need. Everybody would have enough. Oh, there's plenty for everyone. It's there's forces that have worked against these countries. And it's very sad. They've gone in and stolen all of, you know, Africa's resources. So there's nothing for the people. They've done it on purpose. There's no reason for those people not to have more, but they live a very, very hard life. They really, they don't have clean water. They don't have uh, nice homes to live in. They don't have anything. So I do feel very, very bad. But again, I see a better world coming soon. I really do. I think that's going to flip. I, I pray for that every day, and I hope, I hope for that. Yes. I know when we lived in Liberia, we saw what real poverty was. Yes, it's you horrible. Know, we saw how hard that was. We had, uh, we lived in a village, and people, the, the children would walk out of the bush to go to the school in the village, and then they would try to find somebody to live with. And I remember carrying a note for years in my wallet from a young man, he was about 14 or 15, 
was just kind of on his own trying to live with tribes people. Mm -hmm. And the note said, teacher, I've not eaten in two days. Mm. Do you have some work I can do to earn money for food? Right, right. And of and course we did. He didn't ask for a handout. He didn't ask for food. Mm -mm. He was very hungry and all he wanted was work. Right, right. So he could buy his own food. Absolutely. Right. right. Uh, how old were you when you and your husband were in Kenya? Well, we weren't in Kenya. We were in- I, I don't mean Kenya. I mean Liberia. <laughs> uh well, we were 22, 23. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's about my daughter. When she went in the Peace Corps to the Czech Republic, she was like 22, 23 too. But the Czech Republic, of course, was not a poor country, but they right. sent her there. They picked it and they sent her there and to teach English and, you know, have more people learning to speak English. And she loved every minute, but she didn't see the poverty and everything that you saw. Well, I think it exists in far too many countries. And, you know, um, there are people hurting in every country, rich or poor. Yes. And we have to just open our eyes and be aware of the need around us. Right. And I'm sure that's what she did in, in the Czech country. Czechoslovakia right. too. Right. I'm sure she opened her eyes and she saw the people. And I think that's what Peace Corps did for us. We really opened our eyes and we saw humanity. We yes. saw people who were just trying to make a life. Right. And the I think other when anyone who travels sees that, that, you know, that we're all the same. If you travel enough, and you talk to the local people, you learn that we're all the same. But the poor countries, I, I mean, I'm 70. This has been going on for 50 years. I mean, they should be a lot further along. This is a very sad commentary on humanity that these people are still living without clean water and decent homes. It's very sad. But again, I think boomers and the quiet generation, we are trying to change this. We're trying to educate people. And education is the first step. Absolutely. And I think the thing that concerns me the most, my deepest concern is the children. Yes. So we have, I looked up how many millions of children in this world are living without parents. I can't remember the number now. It's but unbelievable. Under, it's in Brazil, and I read this morning that uh, Russia took 6,000 children and now they're in foster homes or camps or whatever for re-education. Right. I, it's such a crime that children's parents are taken from them. Absolutely. The highest crime, I think, that children are torn from parents and parents are torn from children. Yes. Precious lives really have to be given a chance. Right. And I know there are organizations working to do that. And uh, I think there just should be some kind of law against doing anything to harm a child. Yes, anywhere. I agree. I totally agree. So. Well, on that note, we're going to do what we can as boomers and, and quiet generation. We'll just keep plodding along, giving our wisdom because we've seen so much more. So we are aware of the good, the bad and the ugly. And we now have more time available so that we can try and change things. We didn't have the time when we were younger, but we have it now. And podcasts are a fabulous way of trying to bring that education out to people. And, and I think eventually we're going to be able to do it. I really do. I think we're headed in the right direction. Um, I think things are going to change soon. 
I pray uh-huh. I'm right. <laughs> I pray you're right too. And yes. I pray every day for that. Yes. There will be-, be into the before we close, I want you to share your contact information with us. Where can people find you? So if they want to look you up, they can. Well, it's Speeding Past 80 is the podcast, Speeding Past 80. And I know it's on Apple, Spotify, and Podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Okay. I think it's on other platforms as well, but I know those three. And I do have a website because I do some writing too. Oh, good. The website is www.annkav is in violin, E-R-A, dot com. Www. Oh, no, writer.com. You forgot. Oh, I forgot the writer. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm 80. <laughs> I wouldn't have known except that you told me before we started. So, yes. <laughs> right. Let's try that again. www.annkav.com. A-N-N-C-A-V as in violin, E-R-A, writer, W-R-I-T-E-R dot com. Perfect. And I'll have that in the show notes. So if you're exercising or walking or something, you can't write it down, just go to the show notes and it'll be there. And I hope you'll look in up and look at some of her writings and listen to her podcast. They're quick. They're four, five, six minutes. They're easy. They're really cute stories. And as you can hear, Anne has a very soothing voice. So when you need to maybe calm down, you need something, listen to her podcast. It will make a difference in your life. Thank you so much, Terry. I enjoyed being with you. Thank you so much. I loved having you and I love hearing from people in their 80s. So this was perfect that you came on and that you started a podcast. I love that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Kick-Ass Boomers. For more information on today's guest, along with the show notes and other inspiring resources, buzz on over to kickassboomers.com. And don't forget to join our Kick-Ass community on Facebook or LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Be bold, not old. This podcast is sponsored by Premier Podcast Productions. Let's face it, everybody loves to make podcasts and vodcasts, but nobody wants to edit them. At Premier Podcast Productions, we professionally edit and distribute podcasts and vodcasts for companies around the world. Contact us at premierpodcastpros at gmail.com.